Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Ahoy, mateys. Could my hellos get any dumber? (laughs) (sighs) That's part of a three-part symposium on radio programming that I'll be uh, having. We'll probably be at... uh, We'll probably be at the Zbarro's on the... uh, At that... At that one uh, rest stop on the toll wet on the uh, toll road, so because that's how in demand that summit is. Hi, it's time for Leprechaun Lunch. It is brought to you by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Pablo Rodriguez in Granger, and by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame. Since 1949, I'm Jim Irizarry. You can find all my stuff at uh, jimonsports.com. And, uh, yeah, it's it's another week. And, man, it's going to be an early week, too. Um, it's weird. I'm, like, uh, I was actually talking with Darren the other day. Uh, it's going to be weird coming out of the postgame show. And, yeah, it's going to be, like, late afternoon. Like, I'm going to be done by, like, 4.30, 5 o'clock with everything for, for Saturday. What? And then I get to do it again in a couple of weeks after the Navy game. Hey! Of course, our uh, coverage for uh, Notre Dame and Syracuse, 6 a.m. tomorrow with the uh, replay of the Marcus Freeman show from last night. Then 7 to 9, got myself and, uh, and Tim Growl with Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. And then uh, game day sports beat with uh, with Darren and Tyler. Uh, uh, that powered, of course, by Michelob Ultra. Then Notre Dame Radio Network takes over until after the game, when uh, Reggie Brooks and myself have the official Notre Dame football post game show presented by St. Joseph Health System. So that is uh, all coming up, starting bright and early tomorrow. <laughs> Woo! Nothing, nothing I love better than having to wake up at like. You know, 5 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> we could have had a 3.30 start. We could have had a 3.30 start. Thanks, ESPN, for nothing. Um, anyway, still, there is a game to play. There is a game to play. It's against Syracuse. Having 
probably a better year than a lot of people thought that they would. Uh, you know, top 25 team. Uh, last week, they were looking good against Clemson. And then Clemson did that whole thing where, you know, their offense got a jolt when they subbed out the quarterback, subbed out DJ for uh, for the other kid. <clears throat> yeah, then it all went to crap. But hey, you know, that was the breaks, I guess. So Notre Dame and Syracuse. Uh, Notre Dame heading up to Syracuse to uh, whatever the hell they call that stadium. It's still the Carrier Dome to me, but, you know. Like I, I, it, it's it's some sort of awful corporate name, you know, with letters and just just this random name, you know. Of course, it doesn't even look the same anymore because, uh, at least on the outside anyway, because I uh, completely redid the roof and like there's a structure holding up the roof now instead of it all being pressure. Bl- all that. Go look it up on YouTube. It's 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 all right there. I don't have time for this. I only have an hour today. Um, but. Notre Dame and Syracuse, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I think, still trying to find itself, still, still trying to find some uh, level of consistency in the offense. And, uh, of course, you know, as it has for the entire season, you know, at least since he took over, uh, a lot of that lies on Drew Pine. So, Marcus Freeman. Your thoughts on Drew Pine this week? Drew Pine, the UNLV game, maybe versus the Stanford game, or um, you know, maybe the first half of Cal. The ability—that's the the law of progression, the bumpy road. And, and Drew wasn't perfect the entire game, but he was able to execute even maybe when he didn't have a successful play to play before. You know, to continue to have the mental confidence to to go out there and and. You know what? I missed a throw. The next one, put it where somebody can catch the ball. And so um, consistency is something that we're all as a program, our quarterbacks, every position on our team has to improve at. But I think what Drew did was he was able to to not let one bad play hopefully turn into two, turn into three on Saturday. And that's nobody's perfect. You know, I think he's played and he'll tell you he's played better this year, but I think there was growth in that, hey, first series was really good. The second series, um, second or third, so I can't remember, wasn't maybe as good, you know, but then I bounced back and, and have another good series and, and make some throws. And, and not every throw I make is going to be perfect, you know, and sometimes I'm going to make perfect throws and they're not going to be caught, but that can't affect the next opportunity to throw the ball and, and to try to get back on track. Of course, uh, you know, all that means that he just, you know, needs to shine. He needs to have the right plays called for him. He And then he needs to go out and execute it. <laughs> hey, shot. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Um, you saw that against North Carolina. You saw it in, in, in parts of BYU. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of been a little bit of a, of a, of a struggle since then. Okay. It just has been. Of course, Drew Pine probably didn't count on, count on himself, you know, starting most of the season either. So, you know, you kind of got to throw that whole, uh, you know, ton of bricks on top of him too. So, regardless. Regardless of how Drew Pine plays, um, we all kind of got that lump in our throat, right? Last week, 
when when all of a sudden you know Steve Angeli's in there. <laughs> what? Wait, who's that? That's that's not Drew Pine's number. Who's that? Actual quote from the press box last week, by the way. Uh, not by me either. Uh, you know, Drew, Drew Pine's taken some risks as far as his body goes. You know, here's Marcus Freeman on that. You want to tell him to go down, but he's also trying to score a touchdown. And, and that competitive side of Drew Pine is what makes him unique and special. The improv stuff, I, I don't, I mean, go through your progression one to two to three and, and make a decision. Um, he can obviously extend some plays with that improv that he has, but you know you got to protect yourself. You know, and I'm not worried about as much as the depth as much as Drew. You got to protect yourself. Um, you know, he's not a six-five, two hundred thirty-pound football player, even like the guy we're about to see. I mean, he is a, a a smaller guy that that really can't take a whole bunch of those blows, even though he probably thinks he can. And so I don't want to see him do it, especially as somebody that cares about him as the head coach, but. Um, you know, I want to make sure go through your progression one to two to three, make a decision. Let's go. Speaking of that risk and that whole injury thing, um, you know, and, and the whole specter of Steve Angeli, just one snap away from being the Notre Dame, uh, starting quarterback. Uh, here, here's Marcus Freeman's thoughts on that, by the way. Yeah, I think, listen, he doesn't have an option. We don't have an option. Yeah. You know, if something happens to Drew Pine, Steve's going in the game, and we have the utmost confidence in him. We have, you know, one thing I spent a, a, a lot of time with Coach Reese is that what is our package we have for Steve Angeli? We're not going to ask him to do everything we ask Drew Pine to do, but we have to give him enough that he has a chance to be successful, but also make sure it's small enough that we're not asking him to be confused and do things that he's not capable of doing. And so um, we had the utmost confidence in him. I think he had confidence in himself. I was kind of joking with him yesterday, like, man, you, you sure you were ready to go? Like, Come on, coach. I was in for one play, and we scored a touchdown. We're good to go. And so, um, you know, what? He, then the second response was, coach, it wasn't too hard to hand the ball off. Next time, let me throw it a little bit. And so he's a confident kid, and that's important, man. You have to have confidence as you take the field. But he didn't blink an eye, and – if something happens where he needs to go in a game, we've got to be ready to roll. Marcus Freeman is right about that. You want your quarterback to just, you know, have oh, what's a clean way to put it? Um the the killer mentality, I guess, is is the best way to put it. There, there's a lot more obscene ways to put that. Trust me, I, I've I've probably used most of them, but uh, you know, kind of can't right here. So uh, anyway, <laughs> just saying, just saying. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so that's that's definitely a way that that Notre Dame has to has to let Drew Pine shine. Tommy Reese has to make the right calls for him in order to shine. And then, uh, you know, wide receivers, too. Um, hmm. What we got there? You know, of course, everybody's been clamoring for uh, for Tobias Merriweather ever since he scored that touchdown uh, against Stanford. But, uh, you know, outside of that, we haven't really seen him. We saw him on a couple of plays last week, too. But uh, Marcus... Your thoughts on your wide receivers? Well, I think the reality is, is, you know, 
you tailor what you're doing to your strengths. Right now, the best player on our offense, and not to single him out, but we all know it's Mike Mayer. And so you're going to find ways to get Mike Mayer to ball. And, uh, you know, we got a, an offensive line that's playing at a high level and three running backs that are playing at a high level. And, and so you're going to try to run the ball. And, um, you know, confidence and opportunities come from trust, too. You know, and, and our wideouts got to continue to to play better. We got to play better. Um, we got to take advantage of the opportunities that come to us. We got to be better at the quarterback position and, and, you know, make sure they have a chance to make plays. But when they do have a chance to make plays, they got to make them. And with confidence from coaching staff, from everybody, then, then you'll get more opportunities. Um, but have they grown? Yeah, I think they've gotten better. Um, but we've got a lot of room to grow. We know in that wideouts room, and, and it's a, still a young room. You take out Braden Lindsey, it's a young room and um, a room that has to continue to improve. And, you know, if I'm a recruit, I'm saying, shoot, I want to go there. Let me go. Let me get my hop. Let me go try to fight and, and see if I can get on the field and, and, you know, try to earn some confidence from the coaching staff. So that's the reality. You have to tailor what you're doing around your players. And that's offensively, defensively, and special teams in that I've never believed in you have a system or you have this package that you put pieces into. It's, okay, you get the best recruits, the best football players you can get um, within maybe – the framework within, hey, this is our philosophy defensively or offensively. Um, you get the best possible players you can, and then you have to tailor what you're doing around those players. I mean, obviously, you look at the quarterback position. Our offense was different with Tyler Buckner than it is right now with Drew Pine. Why? Because of some of his strengths, you know, and, and that's what you see. I think you see it around college football. You, know, you look at Syracuse, they're running a that quarterback's running the ball and doing some different things. Why? Because he can run the ball. He's athletic and he throws the ball. So, um, again, I, I, my firm belief is we're going to tailor what we do around the strengths um, of each individual. <laughs> so count on Michael Mayer leading the team in receptions. Not like that's a bad thing. Not like that shouldn't really be a thing. But uh, what shouldn't be a thing is if he's the only receiver getting tosses. All right? You got to diversify the portfolio. Just saying. Uh, go out, start fast. You start. They started fast. They started really fast, actually. They had just six first quarter points in the first six games of the season. They had twenty three last week in the first quarter. Twenty three, and then still kind of you know, sputtered on a few of those. Um, you know that that uh, that fourth and two that they. That they missed uh, deep in the uh, UNLV red zone, you know, like there there were there were opportunities to put even more points up on the board. It hasn't necessarily been you know a big play kind of offense, but you started getting those a little bit. I mean that ca- <laughs> hell that catch by Michael Mayer, you know the like you've seen it by now. I'm sure that catch by Michael Mayer was absolutely insane. One of the most insane catches that I've ever seen. So, I mean, more more of that. And also, you've got the running game. That's actually started being a little bit 
more consistent as time has gone on. Um, you know, Logan Diggs, Chris Tyree, both had, you know, very solid game, especially Logan Diggs uh, last week. Uh, one guy who you didn't see much of was Audric Estime, and that happens, you know, when you fumble the ball. Marcus, your thoughts on Estime? He's tough on himself, as are we on him, and uh, has the high expectations for himself. And so um, he understands the reality of, of how important it is to make sure we are in possession of that, that ball when we have the chance to have it in our hands. And uh, um, he understands the, the importance of that, but at the same time, we got to find ways to make sure that doesn't happen. And, you know, whichever ways we can do it. I know Coach McCullough works on ball security. Um, you can't live up practice right now, not going on game, game eight. You can't do it. But um, we got to find ways to make sure that we, we continue to understand the importance of ball security. I would love to hear from him if, uh, you know, that old tried and true method of uh, carrying the ball around campus all week and just not letting it out of your grip. Does that actually help? I've always wondered about that. Do, do, like, does that like really help? You know, does he does he need to put it more into his elbow like Tiki Barber did? You know, when he was having his fumble problems uh, with the Giants, you know, things like that. You know, I mean, I I, I think he can do some some work, but you know, that's got to be more one on one, and it's it's got to be more uh, on him too, because uh, I mean, the whole reason why he's fumbled. Uh, of late anyway, uh, he's carrying the ball too low. Like, the ball just gets too low on him, which is just, like, that's going to that's gonna cause a fumble every time. Like, like, that just happens. Like, your knee could knock the ball out, for crying out loud. So, you know, Estime does have to, you know, keep his hands on the ball because, you know, when you turn the ball over, you're not exactly finishing. Like I said. There were plenty of plenty more opportunities to put points on the board for Notre Dame last week, and it was either uh, turnovers or just you know things not things not exactly going the way that they should have. You know, missed blocks, whatever. Um, so you know you gotta you gotta finish drives. You gotta f- <laughs> finish, finish, finish. You gotta get, you gotta get Drew Pine going. You gotta get him going good. You gotta get him confident early in the game because it's gonna be loud. It is gonna be le- like with Syracuse being good. There's actually going to be a home crowd at a Syracuse game. Mind blowing. I know it's been a long time since that's happened, but you can take him out of that by another key point: starting fast. Start putting some points up in the first quarter. You're you're gonna be sitting really, really pretty. Um, speaking of the road, Marcus Freeman, your thoughts on the road and and going into Syracuse, quite honestly. Which, with that dome, I mean, things can get a little loud. It can be quite the hostile environment when it's on. Um, not yet. I haven't gotten to that with them yet. Um. You know, the biggest thing I've tried to hit them with yesterday is it's going to be our first noon game, and you have to start getting your your rest now, and you got to start hydrating. We're playing indoors, and I've never been uh, 
to the stadium. I know it's a new name. It used to be the Carrier Dome, but um, you know I've never been there, and so I've I've heard from different people. It can be pretty warm in there. It's going to be loud, and so I'm trying to prepare them for the atmosphere. Um, a 12 o'clock game, more than the mentality. Hey, we've been great on the road. That's kind of how, hopefully, our itinerary, our structure, and what we do on road games will take care of that. Um, but just really preparing them for the atmosphere to. It's going to present itself on Saturday. Even Marcus Freeman doesn't know the new name of the Carrier Dome. And it sounds like he doesn't even care either. Yet another, you know, kind of check mark for him. I knew I liked the guy. He doesn't he doesn't put up like, with crap like that. Uh, <laughs> the menial crap that I just consume myself with. Anyway. Uh, as far as defense goes, and especially special teams too, uh, special teams can play a big part of defense, as we saw with Isaiah Foskey uh, getting a couple of punt blocks last week. Uh, get those turn, cause those turnovers, whether it's making them turn the ball over on downs, or just going up and swatting the ball out of somebody's hand, going up, getting the intercept. However, you got to do it. Just get the ball out of their hands. Especially shut down the run, make them fumble, do whatever, or, you know, just tackle them. The number of missed tackles last week was still just mind-blowing to me, to be perfectly honest. Like, I, I was just like, oh my god. Because UNLV got off, a, really, a couple of huge runs. They're running back at a pretty good day, too. you got to contain that. Uh, you know, Syracuse, like, Syracuse should have beaten Clemson. They should have, anyway. Of course, you know, them not beating Clemson actually kind of opened up a whole bunch of weaknesses that I hope Notre Dame, you know, all that. Uh, you know, limit the big plays, contain the run, contain Garrett Trader too, because Marcus, you know, as you heard Marcus say earlier, um, he does like to run, and he can run, and he will run. So, you know, the run game is obviously a big part of the Syracuse offense. And then, uh, you know, like, Short plays on first and second down, set them up for third third and long, third and eight. Maybe with a sack, third and 13. Maybe frustrate them to the point where they're committing penalties and that's, you know, it's back to like third and 22 or something. Little things like that. That's that's how Notre Dame uh, goes into Syracuse, pulls off, uh, pulls off the upset. They're a three-point underdog, by the way, which... Um, I'm not gonna lie. At uh, at BetMGM, by the way, WSBT Jim, use my code and uh, get all you know sorts of things like that. Um, that that three point gap right there that that sounds really really good actually. Like that just play. That, mm, I like that number a lot. I like I like the three point number a lot. I like it a lot. So. Uh, We'll get into more gambling talk as uh, as the show goes on, but first, we will take a look to the future. And for that, we will uh, hear from Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, uh, blueandgold.com. He and Darren talked on Tuesday, their weekly segment. That is coming up next, part of Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Was I just doing doing the thriller dance? Who knows? You can find out, though. 
hi to the uh, Twitch streamers. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. That's the uh, the name of our uh, channel on Twitter. That is a sudden stop, by the way. I need to work on that fade, don't I? Uh, anyway, uh, Darren talked with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated about the future. The future, coded. Uh, the future of fighting Irish football, of course, through the world of recruiting. Here is that conversation from Tuesday. Steve Angeli got a little playing time on Saturday. I was in the game. We scored a touchdown. Good things happen when the New Jersey native gets into the ball game. But first off, it was a scary hit on Drew Pine. Good to see he bounced back and came in the football game. And I know, Mike, this is the guy you spent a lot of time with when he was being recruited and had offered his commitment to the University of Notre Dame. So I think you know him as well as any Notre Dame media member. What are just kind of your impressions of Steve and how ready he was to handle that particular moment on Saturday? Yeah, like you said, this is usually our, uh, you know, 20 minutes to talk Notre Dame football recruiting, but uh, not really much has transpired in the past week. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little Angeli, and as soon as I heard what Marcus Freeman said about him, I texted you right away. I was like, all right, we need to, we need to talk about this guy today. Um, so first about him as, as a, you know, he's in high school, you know, what, what stood out to me first is, is really how he carried himself. Um, I know that's kind of a quarterback cliche that I think Notre Dame fans are kind of tired of hearing of, but that, that's, that was my kind of first impression. Just, you know, how, how he spoke, um, how he led, I, I got to see him practice. Um, this would have been back in August of 2020, um, some practice and just, you know, I, Coaches talk about all the time how important practice is, all right, um, you know, to be able to earn that trust. And, um, you know, I, I thought he was outstanding. A lot of times you can learn more from about a player in, in practice than you can at game, especially if it's a 62-0 to zero win. You're not learning a whole lot. They're playing scrubs. But that Bergen Catholic team, um, you know, very good. Uh, one of the best programs in the country. In his senior year, they finished inside the top five of Max Preps rankings and Angeli um, had a lot to do with that, his leadership, um, you know, more of a, a, a pro-style run-first offense. That's kind of just the, that big six, um, you know, North Jersey ball, that, that's just, just pro-style, um, you know, kind of offenses. You're not chucking the ball around too much. But Angelia has still had a really strong season. Um, he's big. You know, he's listed at 6'2", but when you see him in person, he just looks 6'3", six, 6'4". You know, listed at what I think two fifteen or two twenty. Um, really clean mechanics. His quarterback's coach in high, uh, growing up from grade school to high school. Matt Bastardi did a fantastic job with him. High school coach Vito Campanelli, um, one of the best. Like if you know Jersey football, the Campanelli name is is, is a big deal. I mean, there there's several guys with the last name Campanelli coaching in the pros in college, and of course Vito in high school. Um, so coached up really well. You know, people ask me all the time about his arm strength. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's. I would say he can throw the ball farther than Drew Pine, and he can put, you know, that you know that intermediate fifteen to twenty-five yard pass. He can put the zip on it with just about anyone. In my humble opinion, I will say I'm higher on Angeli than probably most everyone else is, maybe. But um, you know, I. You know, when, when he wins that third Heisman, I'm going to be like, all right, here comes the fourth. <laughs> I'm kidding. But seriously, like, I, I just think that he's got all the tools. Like, he's more athletic than you would think. Um, he, he throws a really pretty pass. He's got a strong arm. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's got, like, all the moxie, and, and he certainly has confidence, as Marcus Freeman alluded to. 
Now, on Monday's Sports Beat, I made this comment, Mike, that for a lot of people, this team winning as many games as possible is the most important thing the rest of the way because as an independent, their major goals are gone at this particular time. Some people just want them to get to a bowl game. Some people just want them to beat either Clemson or USC. Everybody has their different way of trying to figure out what sure. they want out of the rest of the season from a 4-3 and three football team. Maybe it's because I'm a media member. I look at it differently, and I'm not saying anybody else is wrong in their opinions. To me, the most important thing for this football team the rest of the way is figuring out if their 2023 starting quarterback <clears throat> is on the roster or not. Because I'm already looking ahead to next year, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to the seniors. I just look at this whole thing a different way because I'm in the media. Do they have their starting quarterback currently on the roster? Is he playing somewhere else in college football right now? I think that needs to be determined. So I always bring up, Mike, Buckner and Pine, and I stop there. Am I being unfair in my conversation by not bringing up Angeli in the conversation? Wow, that's loaded. Um, I, I think – if Angeli is going to be the – and this is just one man's opinion. Yes. I haven't thought about this too much because I, I'm in the camp of, you know, maybe keep a, keep in the corner of your eye next year. But, I mean, I, I see comments all the time on YouTube or Twitter or message boards. like, this season's gone. No, the season's not gone. It's like if you're in that football program, the season is very no so much there and you have some big goals. Um, but, again, if I'm on the staff, I got to think if I'm Marcus Freeman – like, dude, if, if we stink next year, I'm, like, is my job safe? Like, seriously, you, you, you've got high expectations going into year two. As far as Angeli, though, again, my, my opinion, let's not think about this a ton, would be I think it would be difficult for Notre Dame to go into next season without Angeli really playing I agree. this fall and starting him. That, I mean, that, that would be tough, you know, because then – who knows where Pine and Buckner are at, or they both at Notre Dame or, or what, but they're more established in their experience and, you know, the Notre Dame offense and all that stuff. Um, so I would think Angeli's best chance to be the starter next year is if he gets to play some this year and he's really good and he shows the staff that in the game as well as spring ball and fall camp next year. But I've said it you know, many times on your show, Darren, is that I think Notre Dame needs to be aggressive um, and get a, I mean, they still don't have a high school quarterback in, in this recruiting class, but of course that's looking down the line, not for the 2023 season, but I, I mean, I think they should get, a, again, a high school quarterback in this recruiting cycle um, and as well as a transfer. I mean, Notre Dame should have had fun probably this year Agreed. Uh, for this season too. Um, so, I think they should do it next year. Well said. I agree with that 100%. Should I, as someone that follows recruiting through you and Blue and Gold, illustrated blueandgold.com, assume that it is going to be, how do I say it, unlikely for Notre Dame to get a game-changing class of 2023 quarterback? They might get a quarterback, but not in that game-changing category. So I looked this up this morning. 50, the, the 50 top of the, okay. All right, Singer, you got this. Come on. Of the 50 top quarterbacks in the country in the 2023 cycle, per the on three consensus, two of them aren't committed. Two. 
And I think one of them is more of an FBS prospect, not even a power five guy. And the other one's got a couple power five offers. Um, so you're going to flip somebody like that's what you're going to do. Um, I think that Brandon Hillman, the young man from Virginia, who we've discussed a good bit, he plays high school quarterback, but you know, he could also be a running back a receiver or a defensive back. I do think Notre Dame, if they bring him in, we'll give him a shot to play quarterback at first because why the heck not? you know, just add, add more competition, see if he can do it kind of thing. If not, it's an Avery Davis type thing where you move him to a different position. And if not for injuries, I think Avery Davis would be an NFL player. I thought that for years might not be an unpopular, or it might be an unpopular opinion, but um, we'll, we'll never know because, you know, a young man has, has battled so many injuries. But uh, so can they go flip some high four-star five-star type guy. I don't think so, Darren, because those guys have been committed so long. Yeah. Quarterbacks commit so early. I mean, there's been rumors out there about Jackson Arnold potentially visiting Notre Dame, which from what I'm told have been completely random and untrue. Um, th- those rumors really just created chaos for the young man for a couple weeks. I feel for him. You know, everyone's calling and texting. I'm asking you going to Notre Dame, and the young man's like, "No." I, Marcus Freeman went out to uh, to see um, Peyton Bowen. I don't want to get off too too sure. far off track, but went out to see Peyton Bowen, Notre Dame's five star safety commit in the 23 cycle, and then of course Pey- Peyton's younger brother Eli. 2024 corner and you know Jackson Arnold just has to be the quarterback for that team so my understanding is that Freeman texted them hey great game you know they just kind of they've talked on the phone once but that was it and then it's like oh he's gonna visit with the club game They're like where is this coming from but that's modern day media for you Darren something gets like that gets put out because it's quarterbacks and then everyone um, loses their mind with it um, but yeah in terms of who who Notre Dame could get still very much to be determined, Darren, because Notre Dame, I mean, they haven't offered a new 2023 passer since August. So, you know, they would love to flip someone like Avery Johnson, who's a four-star quarterback, elite 11 guy from Kansas state. That looks unlikely. Um, I'm told he's always, you know, he's got like Kansas state merch or something like <laughs> I have a hard time seeing that. And then um, there's some three-star type guys. who I think would be very good for Notre Dame to land. At this point in the cycle, they're not to the level of Dante Moore, Jackson, Arnold, but, I mean, beggars can't be choosers at this point. I'll just say this. For a program that made the playoffs twice and just missed last year, making it three times recently, and with a quarterback situation that's in flux, with an offensive line coach like Harry Heastan taking care of the guys in front of you, it is a very attractive spot right now I'm not saying anyone's going to flip but it's not like you have a guy that's going to be starting for sure the next two or three years on the roster that could develop with Tyler Buckner he may develop into that type of player but as of right now it's an attractive spot I completely agree with you which is why I'm not ready to call Notre Dame quarterback recruiting a disaster up to this point yes it has been I mean Tommy Reese Marcus Freeman the staff I mean, part of it was just kind of unfortunate that, you know, they, they weren't able to keep Dante Moore, um, you know, whether you want to call him a silent commit or whatever. They, you know, they weren't able to um, get him in the fold. But, I mean, since it, it's kind of just been it's, – it's been a head-scratcher um, for sure. 
Uh, but it's still it's it's Notre Dame, so there's that uh, that lore to some players um, who just uh, who grew up with with an affinity for Notre Dame. So um, that that player could still be out there, and, and people don't know about it. And maybe Notre Dame's discovered him or not. We'll see. Um, so that's kind of the 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 one uh, the, the one thing that you have to you know to keep you a little bit optimistic. I'm Darren Pritchett with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. How about an update on Khalil Barnes? Yeah, so this is a young man who Notre Dame just offered uh, less than two weeks ago, um, and uh, he's told Blue and Gold that he's going to be officially visiting Notre Dame for the Clemson game. Interestingly enough, for folks watching on YouTube, you see the on three prediction machine. Uh, gives Clemson an 89.7 chance percent to land them per, you know, that algorithm. That's a little inflated in my opinion. I'd probably put it somewhere like 60, 40 Clemson to Notre Dame, in my opinion. Um, Oklahoma offered recently. Um, and I'm told um, that he's, he's going to visit there as well in November. So he's listed as a cornerback, 6'1", 185. Notre Dame's recruiting him as a receiver. Chancey Stuckey and Barnes have built a good connection. I'll have, um, or excuse me, I already posted this article Tuesday morning so folks can check out what Barnes told me about his interest in Notre Dame and, and kind of what's next um, for him and the Irish. Um, but uh, positive development. Clemson weekend will be huge for Notre Dame, um, and specifically with this recruitment because he's considering both schools so highly. Three-star recruit. Former Wake Forest commit, but really blowing up on the scene here lately with offers from Notre Dame, um, Clemson offered early in the fall, and then Oklahoma recently. Um, and I, I believe it was Miami offered him. I know maybe that was a different player I'm thinking of, but you know, he just keeps picking up more offers. Um, and uh, yeah, Notre Dame is is just not waiting around for one of their top guys they've been on for a while to to commit to a different school and then Notre Dame has to scramble. They're kind of being proactive um, in uh, those plan B options, so to speak. Mike, from what you know, are most teams looking at him as a wide receiver? That's a good question. Okay. I don't know. Right. I really, yeah, I'm I don't know. Just curious. Yeah. I ask these wild questions. No, no, not a wild question. Um, I mean, I could figure it out, but it would take me about 45 seconds, but that's nah, okay. Can't do that while we're on there. That's okay. <laughs> How about a question that's been popping into my head? Normally I try to ask questions in regard to what Irish fans are wanting to hear. So I'm going to be selfish here and ask this question. Since we're coming down last couple of months before national signing day, I'm wondering as you look at the closing weeks of this cycle, is there an assistant or two for Notre Dame that has the most important or challenging, however you want to look at it, the most important role the rest of the way before National Signing Day? Yeah, well, one, it has to be Tommy Reese. I mean, that's the obvious one because I think it's, it's, it's just less than 60 days until National Signing Day. And not only does Notre Dame not have a quarterback committed, we don't even have a great lead on who they're going to go after. Um. So you would hope that Notre Dame is able to bring in someone for the Clemson game, but Darren, we will just see. Um, I think that one's is obvious. And then a, another one would probably be Chancey Stuckey um, because when he came in, um, he, he, it was a depleted receiver room. 
Um, and it, it probably will be after this season, too. You never know what, what transfers could potentially happen. Some guys unhappy about playing time, whatever it may be. So you really needed to bolster your receiver core in this recruiting class. You have three committed with Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, two of those young men from Texas and one from Northern California. You have big-time programs in those states, so you need to keep those young men locked in. Um, as well as land Tayshawn Lyons, a four-star pass catcher, who he just he picked up a Texas A&M offer on Monday. You need to keep him, um, you know, thinking at Notre Dame at the top of his mind. Um, and if you d- don't land someone like Lyons, you have to get Khalil Barnes, or you know, do you offer someone else at that point? So I would say um, Stucky and Reese and when you talk Notre Dame recruiting over these past few years, you look at the positions Notre Dame needs to do a better job at, quarterback and receiver. You also throw a corner in there. Notre Dame's really good cornerback class and defensive back class overall. Um, but, yeah, you know, for, for this discussion, I would say Reese and, and Stucky. Since so many people write to me, there's a, a friend of mine that's a, a national broadcaster that's a big Notre Dame fan. He direct messaged me today and said, you know what, all I'm worried about right now for the rest of the season is keeping this outstanding Notre Dame football recruiting class together. He's worried that that Bowen is going to jump ship at some point. I remember earlier this year, a couple of weeks or so, maybe even further back, you had the sense that Keon Keeley was looking elsewhere and may decommit, and that ended up happening. So based on the DMs I'm getting and based on the conversation we had earlier this year, let me ask you this. Is there a player in this class you feel like they have to babysit more than anybody else? I'm sure there's nobody close to what you were feeling with Keeley at that time, but is there anyone you're feeling like they maybe have to babysit a little more than everybody else? First of all, Darren, I always get nervous when you bring something up I've previously said um, because – yeah, um, this is me we're talking about. But Stop. you already said his name. I mean, it's Peyton Bowen. It's not even a question. I mean, Darren, you've had some good questions, but this one was terrible. Okay. That's a very obvious one, Mr. Terrible question. Come on, Mr. Pritchett. <laughs> hey, you get you get a couple passes a year. But, yeah, it's obvious. I mean, it's not even babysitting as, as much at this point as it's just flat out a recruiting battle. Like, I, I don't even know how – like if someone could, yeah, I don't, I don't could have called babysitting because he he just visited Oregon this past weekend, and for the first time in months, we've heard him mention Michigan um, in an interview with On Three Sam Spiegelman, and you already know OU and A and M so have been involved, and he wants to visit both of those schools again as well as Notre Dame. We're expecting him to visit for the Clemson game, so that recruitment is it, it's it you call him a committed prospect, but it, it, it's a total battle. Um, up until National Signing Day. And I did post an article on Monday called The Gold Standard. I went through all the latest with Notre Dame's 2023 targets and then listed a handful of 23 Irish commits who are still being pursued by other schools, some to the degree of Peyton Bowen or someone like Dylan Edwards, who I just kind of mentioned in there because I know there was a rumor he might visit Kansas and then that didn't happen. Um, But those guys. All right. Don't ask knucklehead questions next week. I'll, I'll save that. It's on a post-a-note right by the screen here, and you'll get all A-plus questions next week, I promise, right. okay? Um, sounds good, Darren. How about we wrap up with an easy question, all the things happening right now at blueandgold.com? 
you know, the season is, is very busy, but we get into a good flow at Blue and Gold. So, you know, you just have the certain things you're going to expect. You know, Mondays and Thursday afternoon, you're getting those Marcus Freeman updates. Tuesday evenings are, are Patrick, um, are, you know, Patrick Engel and Tyler Horker from Blue and Gold meet with the coordinators and, and some select players. So get all the coverage from that during the week, um, as well as the recruiting updates all throughout the week. Um, fantastic uh, coverage on the Notre Dame football team. Um, and, and Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, we will have um, the Mike Goolsby show. So I don't know if you're listening to this back um, via you know, Darren's podcast or whatever it may be, uh, but Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Mike Goolsby show. You will not want to miss that. Never a dull moment on, on our particular gold. show. Yep, on our, on our Blue and Gold YouTube show. Yep. Okay. Mike, appreciate the conversation. Great stuff this week, as always, and we will talk to you next week. All right, Mr. Pritchett. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Singer. Mike Singer, Notre Dame Football Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We will uh, finish up with some some college football bets. Uh, It's kind of a crap schedule this week, I'm not going to lie. But I've got some of the highlights as far as uh, as far as betting purposes go. Coming up, Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also, also brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. The uh, lineup for tomorrow for Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. Kind of uh, Notre Dame National Championship Captain NFL Player Day, really. From 1966, Rocky Blyer. 1973, Frank Pomerico. 1988, Ned Bowler. Uh, live from Syracuse, Irish Illustrated's Len Clark will join us. And uh, also the good doctor, Dr. Brian Radigan, the head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish, will join us from Syracuse as well. That's all coming up on Legacy Heating and Air Game Day tomorrow, starting bright and early, 7 a.m. Uh, yes, God willing, I will be thoroughly caffeinated on that. Oh, that's going to be early. Uh, That's like the earliest I've had to be awake in, well, like a week and a half. (laughs) I just just realized I I did the news here like not too long ago. I filled in for the news on a Wednesday. Uh, Anyway. I'm going to help you uh, get your your wallet a little little bit fatter this weekend, by the way. Uh... Notre Dame, a a three-point underdog on the road. 46.5 the point total on that game, by the way. Um, I got a feeling that that's going to be close. (laughs) That's a... That's a nail biter right there. I I would be take I would be taking Notre Dame in the points quite honestly, as, as far as as far as my 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 safe bet for that game. East Carolina also a three point underdog on the road at BYU. They're flying uh damn near across country. Uh, BYU season uh, is kind of blown up. 
not in a good way either. Uh, injuries all season long. The defense is a wet paper bag. Uh, East Carolina and the points. It's sounding pretty good. Sounding real good. Ohio State's at Penn State. The point total on this is 61 and a half. I don't need to defend the Ohio State offense at all. Considering Penn State's defense has given up plenty of points to Purdue and Michigan this year, I'm pretty sure that C.J. Stroud's going to get his. It, like it, That's just a given, I think. Uh, the value, though, on this 61.5 points, I think, lies on the Penn State offense, though. A little underrated right now. Ohio State's defense, not really been tested too much, have they? There are some people out there who are still waiting for Ohio State's actual season to begin. You know, since the Notre Dame game, really. Uh, honestly, 24 points by Penn State could get us to that that 61 and a half. Probably gets us at least to Sean Clifford playing. And if he plays like he did against Minnesota last week, even better. I like the over on this. Over 61 and a half for Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, let's see. Nebraska. Nebraska is a seven and a half point underdog on the road at Illinois. Illinois, one of the biggest surprises of the year so far. You know, they're they could be your Big Ten West champion, which means they could be your sacrificial lamb to Ohio State or Michigan in the pen, in the uh, Big Ten championship game. <laughs> seven and a half, though, a little bit much. Illinois plays pretty slow. Laying that many points with that style of play is just, uh, that, that's asking a bunch, really. Throwing the fact that Nebraska likes to play close games and, you know, we all thought that that was a big trait with Scott Frost team. Not the case! They've gotten rid of Scott Frost, and yet the, the close games are still here. Nebraska and the points. Nebraska 7.5 versus Illinois. Oregon is at Cal. Cal's offense... Um, like, Oregon's not going to have any problems slowing that down. Not one problem at all. My worry is that Oregon gets out to a lead in a hurry and, you know, then they kind of slowed down a little bit. Oregon's offense has just been on an absolute tear since, uh, since opening week, which many of us who put money on that game don't like to talk about, quite honestly woof but Oregon's like legit been on an absolute tear Bo Nix looks awesome right now might get some dark horse Heisman love maybe not saying that he wins it I'm just saying he's he could be playing himself at least into the discussion Fifty-eight and a half is the uh, point total on this. And again, Oregon will probably slow down a little bit. So I like the under on that. And that is that. There's your leprechaun lunch for the week. Of course, Notre Dame and Syracuse coverage starts 6 a.m. <laughs> Bright and early tomorrow right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 